Mighty God, the shepherds of old were full of your praises, saying that all they had heard and seen was mirrored by what they had been told. Move among us now with your Holy Spirit that we might to hear and experience the wonder and joy of the living word as we seek to welcome the written word into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning and a blessed Christmas to all those who are members, our friends and family in this morning's hour. Uh, this morning I heard the Hallelujah Chorus on the radio as I was coming over. And how apropos is that? You know, that gets you in the mood of anything else, else does. So Hallelujah indeed, right? Our first scripture reading this morning is from Psalm 108, verses 1 through 4. My heart is steadfast, O God. I will sing and make music with all my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken to dawn. I will promise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love, higher than the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. And our second reading is taken from Luke 2, verses 8 through 20. Familiar Christmas story that we all know. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born. To you, he is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in the cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to men, on whom his favor rests. When angels had left them and gone into heavens, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which just as I had been told. Now, do some of you recall a story, Charlie Brown's Christmas? Remember seeing something like that? Yes, no, maybe so? Okay. In the story about uh, Christmas, Charlie Brown zeroes in on the only tree that's left on the lot, a tiny sampling. His friend Linus is reluctant about Charlie uh, choice, but uh, Charlie Brown is convinced that this will be a great tree, properly decorated. So he returns it to the auditorium, and the children kind of point at it and say it's really ridiculous, and make fun of that, and laugh at Charlie Brown. And Charlie walks away. In desperation, Charlie Brown loudly asks if anybody really knows the true meaning of Christmas. And then his friend Linus says, yes, he does, and then tells him the account 
that John read from Luke chapter 2. Uh, it's in the authorized King James Version. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord sh shone around them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. That's what Linus says. Indeed, that's what Christmas truly is all about, the birth of that one born in Bethlehem centuries ago. It's so beyond the commercialism, traditions that we might pass down. There's only a few passages in the scripture about the birth of Jesus. John had read from Luke, and Luke kind of describes that, the birth of Jesus, earlier on in chapter 2, and then in Matthew. But those are the only accounts that we have from the scripture on the birth. On occasions, we hear a story, and it becomes overly familiar. We think, is there anything else that we can glean from that? Anything else that I can understand about that particular story? So hopefully this morning, you know, we can kind of look at in depth more of that familiar account, especially from Luke. John read also from Psalm, and uh, that's a psalm of praise to God, and, uh, but we move on to Luke. So there were shepherds out watching their flocks by night. A usual night. Many things don't happen like what happened. They're with the sheep, lambs, other shepherds. Might have been really lonely at times outside of the city of Bethlehem. The shepherds were not landowners. They weren't rich and famous, most likely lowly paid, and thought of lowly in that society. These shepherds uh, probably didn't even own the sheep. There are people who believe that Jesus was born uh, when the sheep were out, of course, in the pasture, and it probably wouldn't have been December 25th, but others think it could have been, but most likely not. It was during uh, more of the springtime, but we don't know for sure, and it really doesn't make a difference. But on one particular night, something out of the ordinary happened, supernatural, spectacular, while they were doing their usual work. An angel of the Lord and host of angels appeared, and that had to be a sight, quite a sight to remember. And they received a message from the angels. Born unto you, shepherds, you common folk, the humble, a Christ child. Not to King Herod, not to Caesar Augustus, not to the Jewish religious leaders of the day, but that child was to be born in that Bethlehem, the city of David, King David. Now, a usual response to that, of seeing an angel, of hearing an angel, I think would have been a fear, would have been trembling. And the angel says, fear not, fear not. Could this have been a dream? Sleepy, maybe the cold was getting to them. We're not sure but what they were thinking and feeling. But something spectacular was happening. Have you ever felt like that? Where you sense God's presence in a powerful, real way? filled with a deep sense of peace, of joy, of hope, and of love. 
Recall last night and uh, yesterday afternoon, we uh, sang Silent Night. Remember that second verse? You know that, Janice? Silent night, holy night, shepherds quake at the... Keep going. Glories stream from heaven afar, heavenly hosts saying, Alleluia, Christ the Savior is born. Christ the Savior is born. Maybe that's one of the carols we're going to sing. Dr. William Barclay brought up an interesting point, too. He said the shepherds were very special. We already have seen how in the temple, morning and evening, an unblemished lamb was offered as a sacrifice to Almighty God. To see that the supply of perfect offerings was always available, the temple authorities had their own private sheep flocks. And we know that these flocks were pastured near the town of Bethlehem. It is most likely that the shepherds were in charge of the flocks from which the temple offerings were chosen. It is a lovely thought that the shepherds who looked after the temple lambs were the first ones to see the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We realize that Jesus was welcomed into this world initially by the simple, the humble, the lowly, the shepherds. Luke also in his gospel communicates the the message of the privilege to the poor that Jesus came for. Jesus was to proclaim freedom, salvation to those with open hearts, open minds, and Luke too shows that the reversal of the social status. Remember the words of Mary earlier in Luke's gospel. Mary says about the Christ child, he has shown strength with his arm, he has scattered the proud in their thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. The turnabouts, the reversals that the scripture talks about often. When preparing this message, uh, O. Wesley Allen Jr. in his commentary uh, compares Luke 2 and Luke 15. Remember Luke 15, you have uh, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. But Luke 2, let me uh, talk about the comparison. Luke 2, shepherds guard flocks, Luke 15. One has a flock of 100 sheep. Then Luke 2, shepherds leave the flock to look for the sign. And 2, the one leaves the flock to search for the lost sheep. For Luke 2 again, shepherds find the Christ child. And from Luke 15, the one finds the lost sheep. And finally, from Luke 2, the shepherds return praising and glorifying God. And in Luke 15, though the son, wayward son returns, friends and family are invited to rejoice with the Father. Now, think about that. Think about Luke 15. Uh, the shepherd goes out. There's, there's one sheep, but he goes out. He has 99. You know, 99, at least in school, to me, was, was good. We got some teachers out there, right? 100 is better, I mean, A+, plus, but, uh, but goes out and seeks the lost. And what that reminds me, and, and it seems to indicate the truth of, that God wants us to have complete lives. None of us is perfect. We all are sinners. The world really needs Christ Jesus. And the message of God's love and mercy to be proclaimed and lived out in the world. Jesus referred to himself as the good shepherd, that he knows his sheep, and the well-known Psalm 23 about the Lord himself. How about shepherds leaving their sheep 
or at least some of the sheep out in the pastures. They were willing to do just that, to go to the Christ child, to go to that stable, that manger scene. Again, why appearing to shepherds first? These persons were not thought of highly in society, usually watching sheep on the outline of a town, perhaps lower expectations. But this king was going to be central to not only their lives, but to the world about. The paradoxes of Scripture. Remember one of the sayings of Jesus later on in his earthly life? For whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus, the good shepherd, knows his sheep by name, knows us intimately, our strengths, our weaknesses, our virtues and sins, and loves us, shows us mercy and forgiveness, and wants us to communicate that to others. Now, I've asked uh, Rich and Dan to show something on the, the screen. You know what that is? My hand. Last night, I wasn't wearing this, but uh, a few weeks ago, you want the long story or the short story? Short story, okay. Well, I jammed my finger as I tripped up the steps as I didn't have my shoes on properly outside. So my finger bent down and so went to one of the urgent care centers and uh, uh, they took this of my hand. And uh, it's the ring finger. Uh, when I went to the urgent care center, uh, Linda was there too, my wife, and uh, it's just a minor fracture which makes the finger kind of point down a little bit. Then I went to a sports medicine doctor the next day, and he said, oh, Tom, I don't see anything. And uh, I said, well, it's still bent, though. And he said, well, just keep this on for four or five weeks, uh, 24-7. So, but, but God knows us intimately. You know, it's scary to kind of see, well, that's my hand and uh, the bones, and, uh, but God knows us inside out. God knows our heart. God knows our motives. God knows where we're at in this day and in our lives and loves us. Do you ever walk by something and uh, not realize it's there? You know, we have this plaque uh, as you exit our uh, front door, and uh, I've seen it many times but haven't focused on it, but uh, I, I think it comes true to the point that I'd like to talk about. It's called Broken Dreams, and author is really unknown. As children bring their broken toys with tears for us to mend, I brought my broken dreams to God because he was my friend. But then instead of leaving him to peace to work alone, I hung around and tried to help with ways that were my own. At last I snatched them back and cried, How can you be so slow, my child? He said, What could I do? You never did let go. You know, never let go. You know, to let God really guide and direct our lives. Now how about meeting Jesus? That's the title. How do we meet Jesus? on this Christmas Day morning, last night at Christmas Eve, or in the days ahead. You know, what does it mean to really meet Jesus? And how can we encourage and invite others in that meeting of Jesus? Think about the people that you've met in your life. You know, some people that are, quote, famous, and I was thinking about that, and uh, uh, a couple people came to mind. Dr. Viktor Frankl, I met. Uh, he was... Uh, contemporary of Sigmund Freud. Uh, he was in the Holocaust, he was a prisoner, and developed a theory of uh, what they call logotherapy, and was a noted person. Dr. Norman Vincent Peale and Dr. Robert Schuller, uh, Reformed Church ministers. And then also Dr. Granger Westberg, who wrote that book, Good Grief, when my mother was uh, dying of cancer. 
I was able to, to see him in the same hospital that my mother was. Ron Santo. You know what Ron Santo? Chicago Cub in the Hall of Fame. Uh, my sister worked for his pizzeria when he was a player in Park Ridge, Illinois. And, uh, but famous people. Jesus didn't come to the famous people, the people known. He came to those shepherds first. And then the wise men came from far off. You know, we don't know how many wise men there were, but they came from far off. But first it was to those common shepherds. But are we ready to meet Jesus where we're at? You know, I had that picture of the x-ray, but, but God does know us. Jesus knows us and wants us to experience that wholeness, completeness in life. St. Ignatius, who lived in the 1600s, was a Spanish priest, theologian, and founder of the Society of Jesus. And he was looking for ways to meet Jesus in everyday life. And a woman called uh, Veneta Hampton Wright wrote this, I saw Jesus today. I saw Jesus on the train today. He had worked a long shift, his coveralls a patchwork of sweat and grime. Yet he joked with a co-worker in the adjacent seat. I saw Jesus a while later as the crowd filed onto the stairs of the street below. He was a young girl with two small children in tow, her nerves clearly frayed. And then in the grocery store, there was Jesus again, a checkout clerk who smiled and wished me a good evening. The next time I saw him, he was stuck in traffic, his business suit rumpled and his eyes weary. And when I walked by my neighbor's house, Jesus sat on the front step, passing the time with a friend. When Jesus came to share our human existence, he changed what it means to be an ordinary person going through the day. Each of us has a purpose and a place in the world. Each of us experiences pain, fatigue, humor, and hope. If we look more intently at the people we encounter on a typical day, we will see that they are truly persons loved by God. Regardless of appearance or situation, the woman, man, or child before you is made in the image of God. Consider gazing into the eyes of God. Understand that Jesus comes to you and to me in many faces and places. Seeing and meeting Jesus. Debbie Tao loaned me the story of the Christmas shoes, and uh, you know, I put that away, and then I listened to that, uh, the CD as well as was reading through that book. Another way of kind of seeing Jesus in the ordinary. We leave the sanctuary in just a few minutes on Christmas Day, 2016. As the shepherds left the baby Jesus, they went out proclaiming, and uh, you know, again, they were out in the, the fields, but I, I'm sure that that was communicated more to people that we saw the Christ child. We saw the long-awaited Messiah that God had promised centuries ago. Wonder, amazement, fear, sure, praising God. Now back to their usual jobs and days, but different, different people. And hopefully we go from this place on Christmas Day a different person, deeper in our faith, deeper in the belief that Jesus came to save us from our sins and to give us that abundant life, not only now, but eternally. Some of you have seen these different care notes that are around the, the church and in hospitals and other places, and uh, I'd like to close with this. It's called Giving New Life to Your Christmas Celebration by Karen Katza-Diaz. I don't know if I pronounced it right, but uh, here's what she said. Your best celebrations of Christmas aren't over. 
You can remember past times with gratitude and hold on to them in your heart, but then move on. Open yourself to the potential of this Christmas to delight, to comfort, amaze you, and explore a deeper level, a new level of understanding, a new way of seeing, a new way of living that will set you and me on a path for the rest of our lives, to see things in a different way, a familiar passage to see that there's a greater depth to that meaning, that reading that Luke passage again, or Matthew, you know, that, that Jesus' birth, what does that mean? What does it really mean to meet Jesus? And may that transforming power of our Lord be with you and me today, tomorrow, and all our tomorrows. And remember, God is with us. That word, Emmanuel, right? Emmanuel, that God is with us, and the Lord indeed was with us, is with us, will always be with us. Thanks be to God. Let's close with a prayer. What all happened on that night or day when your son was born into this world, Lord? We don't know all the specifics. We do know some of the details, as the gospel writers have included. That little baby that grew up to become and was the savior of the world, to came and show us life in all its fullness, to show us your love, to show us the forgiveness of our sins, to have us be reconciled back to you, Lord, and help us to experience that wholeness at a deeper level this Christmas time and into the new year, and that we may too be lights to others as Jesus Christ is the light of the world. In his name we ask this and pray. Amen. Please stand, if you are able, for the affirmation of our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. Saying together, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From then shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.